Hello and welcome to Football Bloody Hell and um, seeing as everything pretty much went to form in the Premier League this weekend uh, we've decided to stick to type as well and keep the same old lineup. so um, I've got uh, Cowley joining me on the line from up in Newcastle how are you mate? Yeah not too bad mate yourself? Yeah getting by getting by um, pretty pleased we've had a big thaw I assume you're not still snowed in up there and you're starting to see the green of the grass again Yeah been plenty of rain so no more snow. Hopefully you'll stay that oh, way. Oh, cracking. <laughs> Just a flooding we've got to look forward to now, so uh, all good. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, I, I thought we'd, um, yeah, we, we might as well jump, it, jump in. There's uh, at least some Premier League football to take your mind off the uh, off the travel woes and, uh, and weather woes in the weekend. So why don't we start with your your favourite moment, Cowley. Um, where, where are you going to take us to begin with? <laughs> well, I usually go this part, it's find something that's amusing or funny, but I'm just going to go for uh, a couple of goals, really. So one from Thursday night, Man City's third goal. Um, hmm. Great move. Um, kind of sums up how they play this season, really. I don't know how many passes it was, but passed it from the back and then just obviously uh, the ball, like the turn from Aguero is just brilliant. And then De Bruyne, I think, in the walk and then Sane, uh fully deserved a goal after his performance in the first half. Yeah, so just yeah. good to watch. Um, it's quite funny, the first goal, obviously Sane was, did brilliant on the left-hand side and passed it into... Um, What's his face now? Um, Silva. Um, oh yeah, that was a great. That was a great. Uh, that was a great uh, run from Sonny, wasn't it? It was great start, run. Yeah, he took a couple. Of, they played it across. I thought from his first touch, he's fucked it up. I was like, ah, oh, he shite him, even though he's not. But and um, a great, yeah, great finish. Just as I said, it top corner. Um, obviously not shite, but just I thought he's fucked it up. Um, but yeah, that goal. Um, so all three goals are good, like. But um, that goal yeah. and also another goal caught my eyes. Um, Son's second goal, I think it was. Great ball by Harry Kane. Oh yeah. And then good header finish. But yeah, just the ball, the assist itself. It was great ball in from Kane. Um, so yeah, it a, yeah, it was a cracker. I'm glad I didn't choose that. I was thinking about choosing that actually myself. That goal, but I, but I, but I went further afield. But you're right. Like I only watched it on on match today last night and, and saw it. But like you see, sort of Kane, like it, you doubt when, when he's got the ball like out right out on a touchline. There's just something there. You think, well, I don't think he's going to take the lad on and try and do him for pace down the outside. Yeah. He's probably looking for a pass. Yeah. And you can see it as the, as a camera pan. But the vision to have that. You know, to, to to play that ball. Never mind the execution from from where he was. It's, it's just such a great ball, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Actually, just one thing I was finding amusing yesterday it was um, Glenn Murray for Brighton. I don't know, you, you wouldn't have seen it, but like he was through on goal, but like he was all the way like just past the halfway line though. Instead of like going through, he just turned back because he knew he didn't have the pace to get through. It's just you don't, you don't really just see that. Obviously, sensible play because he wouldn't have like outpaced the two centre backs, but you just normally see a striker would normally take it on, even if he's going to get outpaced. He'd still try and go forward. So he was like through, but then he just got the ball and turned back and kept kept the ball. Um, yeah, it was quite funny to see. I mean, I, I would, I would. Possibly put put the notion out there that just even running it, the Arsenal centre backs could, you know, putting the ball in their vicinity at the moment of the Arsenal yeah. defence could yield some positive results. Anyway, <laughs> it might have been worth even if he was going to completely lose control, just giving it yeah. to to that back line or even check, and, and you might get some joy. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, to be yeah, true. But I think it was like Bellerin and Kashalmi, so I don't think he was going to have any luck. But yeah, you may as well have tried his luck. It's the way they're playing at the moment, so. 
It was it was so poor just watching those goals like and just like the way Arsenal started from what I saw just like the the nature of the two goals just like giving the ball away it was just not not even just trying to do something it was just such casual just lack of care wasn't it and and then the keeping for for both goals as well there's yeah, no conviction in any of that from Arsenal it's just not at all. it's beyond beyond anything we've talked about before we won't spend any more time looking at it now but Arsenal have, have, have certainly well beyond that frustratingly inconsistent team that you knew could pull out a great performance um, now they're just you know they, they don't have the quality or desire there at all I think they've gone beyond the pale now Nathan watching that very much so um but as I say, we're not going to focus on that. Um, I'm going to go to um, towards the bottom of the table for for my favourite moment. It was uh, Swansea giving West Ham an absolute shellacking um, 4-1 at the weekend. I think that's about six or seven in a row that, that Swansea have won now at home under Carvajal, which is uh, unprecedented. I certainly didn't see it coming. I thought it was a horrific appointment. But um, it turns out to be going the other way. But like just more comedy because it's West Ham. And just just like an, an absolutely ridiculous result. Um, if you if you look at West Ham, you know I think after Moyes first came in, there was a you know and had the, they had that initial pick up and picked up good results and and pushed their way to towards mid table. Um, I think there was an assumption that you know they're safe and and they'll be all right. But he really needs to lift that team again. If you look at them, they they've conceded thirty seven goals away from home this season. Um, which is which is horrific, and need need I need I tell anyone? Um, and and there's some, some some poor results over the over the last few weeks, really. If you look, February they lost three one to Brighton, obviously four one at Liverpool. That that can happen, um, you know. But home draws at Pal- against Palace and Bournemouth towards the end of January as well. Um, there's signs there um, of of you know sort of some some poor performance and and you know sloppiness from West Ham and. And from from what I saw from the highlights, obviously, you don't want to be going to Swansea and getting done four one, especially after Swansea had just lost to Brighton four one the, the the previous weekend. Um, it, it just just very very poor um, for for West Ham, who um, had the uh, had the ambition to play with Patrice Everett and Pablo Zabaleta at wing back, um, <laughs> which I'm no tactical expert, but I would say that's probably not a great idea if you're looking for people to get up and down line um a couple of uh, once excellent players now in their mid 30s um they're not going to be a match for for what the the modern wing back needs to do in today's game so um big worry for, for west ham i'd say at the moment a lot of negativity around the club uh, you know obviously with the ownership but um but they're really letting it slip again on the pitch and um you know just just three points above the relegation zone swansea are actually now above them which seemed unthinkable um six seven weeks ago um but uh but west ham are, are very much in it and uh, I think they got very soppy over the last few weeks and and this just uh, ju- just uh, was a culmination of all of that I think. Yeah I think they've probably felt they were safe after the run of form had a couple of good wins uh, good performances but yeah dragged right back into it uh, never seen it never seen that result coming from Swansea obviously been playing well recently but never seen them going to go four goals past West Ham but yeah um, I think what Swansea obviously played really well Um and to have some tough fixtures recently. Well, I say Arsenal, but yeah. that's not really tough at the minute. But <laughs> yeah, it's a gimme now. Yeah, beat Liverpool. Um, I forgot who else to beat as well, but obviously it's a really good result. But yeah, as I said, I thought it was a panic, panic move getting them in, but doing well. 
organised at the back, not conceding as many goals and scoring a lot of goals. So keep on playing. I think we'll get out. I think we'll get out of this onesie. It's it's just good to see Bob Bradley's good work finally coming to fruition, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is. After, all work uh, you know, finally being paid off. We were all all criticised at the time, but he was he was obviously doing something. But there's something there that you know he couldn't quite couldn't quite bring to to a culmination of performance on the pitch. But there, he obviously laid the seed. So um, fair play, Bob Bradley. Uh, hopefully, he's finally getting the the credit he deserves. <laughs> um, but uh, but but moving on a bit, Cowley. Um, uh, in terms of the media and looking off the pitch, um, it's time for the wanker with the pen, um, you know, or <laughs> or it could be a, could be a pundit, could be the likes of Merson or, or Crooks online. Um, I don't know where you want to go with this, Cowley, but has there been anyone in the media um, in any shape or form that has uh, particularly got your goat this week? Yes, there has, Mike. Um, you might have seen it. Um, on t- not as much yourself as you, Ipswich fan, but uh, Jermaine Genius rewriting the history of his time at Newcastle um, and explaining why he's never reached the levels he should have. Um, so obviously went out and said he's, he lived with some regrets. He didn't set out to what he achieved and what he wanted to achieve in the game. But his biggest claim was that when he used to raise his game well, on national duty, but when he returned to, like, obviously for Newcastle, he would be miles ahead of everyone. And then... When he came back, you see his levels went down and like dwindled as the weeks went on and went back to the level of his teammates. Um, so, I mean, it was a great response from, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, from Shearer. Um, yes, I have. Yeah. Go, yeah, it obviously goes on to say, on behalf of me and my teammates at the time, we apologise for not being up to your level when you returned from England Games. I mean, je- let's just look at it. Like, he was signed by Bobby Robson for, well, I think he was only 18 in January. At the time, I think he was the bottom half playing for a Notts Forest side in the championship. Mm-hmm. And the season to follow that, he finished fourth, third and fifth in the Premier League. Again, with regular European football, so what, Champions League, UEFA Cup. Um, obviously, it went a bit downhill in terms of transition between from when Robson got sacked and the Sooness. But even that season, we're still in the semi-final of the FA Cup. And UEFA Cup quarter final. And just even the players he played with, man, it's just like you had Ovishira, Gary Speed, Solano, yeah. Robert, Bellamy, Dyer, Woodkit, Given Owen, Clive, I think it was along with Just these players, and to have, have him to say that, like, obviously goes on to say, oh, in the end it was my fault, but just, I wish, like, they just BT Sport or someone just, like, called him out on it. Um, they, they, they're not likely to they love these like holding court and I, I don't know where it was but I assume it's one of their sort of after matches or it was, yeah, yeah, it was sessions it, when, yeah. when they sort of hold court with a couple of players and, and have a big sort of uh, insight session and they and they yeah they absolutely love like that they're, they're, from the ones I've seen there's a, there's never any sort of questioning of anything it's just sort of a, a platform for them to, to, to spout whatever they want really isn't it yeah I mean he got what well, he got Young player, he, he wasn't even like close to what being our best midfielder. We had obviously, as I say at the time, Speed, Dyer, Solano, Robert. I mean, he, he was worked out of them a lot. And I mean, he got, made 40, he got 14 caps once being us, and he only managed, I think, you know, a seven after that. Obviously, he was injured a lot of Spurs. But I just feel like, not Bennis, but just because he didn't have, obviously, in terms of how he left, it wasn't great. He didn't have the connection with the fans. He just now go on to say that. It's just um, Alex and the Newcastle True Faith one, who's We've been on here, but 
who's been here regularly. Um, even here, I say like it's just it's it's one of the players who just it doesn't obviously like the club and didn't have that connection with the fans really. And then just he's got to, don't know why he's got to say bad things about us really. Um, obviously, we're given that platform from where he was to where we, where, from what not in Forest to us play like the same playing the Championship side to play in the Premier League. We weren't contending for the league at times. Like I think it was in March where we kind of um, let go of the league. But the first couple of seasons, we were actually competing for the title. In fact, yeah. just to hit me say that, it's just, it's just embarrassing. It's ridiculous. So, yeah. It's a, it, really I, I, I'm just struggling to think like that, that that quote about him coming back from international duty when he raised his game. Just what, what like playing, playing five-a-side in training. It's like, I can't remember. Yeah. He was always at the time just like... I never knew what he did. He was always in the England squad. Never played. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on the old time in a friendly, but it would never be... I don't know if he ever turned up in a competitive game for England at all, but I certainly can't, re- I can't remember that. And he was always one of those that's just like, always just seemed to be filler in the squad. He's always there, but he's never going to get a game. Certainly not a competitive game for, for England, was he? No, he wasn't. Yeah, I can't, like, I can't remember playing for England. Like him p- playing for England. Like I couldn't remember one game where I said, "Ah, oh, Jermaine Genius has played well in that England game." Um, he was against obviously good midfielders at the time, but like even when he played, just I can't remember him even playing to be unfair. So. Yeah, well, um, uh, a good point, well made, Cowley. It's it strikes me as one of these, you know, a, a lot of players and stuff trying to raise their profile will come out and and do a very in in inverted commas honest um you know um appraisal of their careers and and, and where they should have gone and there's uh um yeah there's often a a lot of fallout from that and and uh and um but the the response is you know well i'm just being honest uh you know so uh get me a few column inches and uh get me a few more gigs across the media um that's quite a familiar story now apparently but um but um yeah i mean I don't think we you can argue that going from where he was in the championship with Notts Forest and then immediately challenging, you know, playing in the Champions League and towards the top of the Premier League is um, stunting your growth and uh, can't say really went on to do much in his career after that, did he? So I think it's uh, fairly obvious for most people looking at looking into that situation who um you know who's on who's on the right side of uh, <laughs> of the truth, so to speak there. So I think mine is a, a little less personal, um, but um, well, I, it is in a way. Cause he's come up on this uh, quite a few times, um, uh, but it's uh, Mr. Neil Custis back in the um, back in the corner this weekend um, with a classic sort of defence of um, his and the certain elements of the media's darling um, Sam Allardyce um, and, and Custis' piece over the weekend, just just basically basically saying. Why on earth is Sam Allardyce getting such a rough ride from Everton fans? It's like I, I don't know, Neil. Like, could, could be something to do with the the two league wins in in ten games, or even more so with the fact that they were twentieth in the league for shots on target under Allardyce, twentieth in the league for shots alone under Allardyce, and. 20th in the league um, for chances created since Allardyce came in. I mean, I'm no expert, but I'd imagine that sort of football um, is really not going to get, you know, especially when you're not winning games, um, that's not really going to gonna do a lot for relationships with the fans. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Cowley, but um, I'm pretty sure that's why he's getting such a rough ride at Everton. 
think you're doing a great job, Mike. But yeah, it's <laughs> why has he come out and said that, man? Just look at the like the performance again on Saturday was just awful. Um, and all of them stats to to prove that they're not really progressed in any kind of way since what did he he took over when they were 13th when they were like five points clear of the relegation zone how many is the point now not many more than what they were and they spent obviously what best 50 million is it um on like walcott and that um Jason. That, yeah striker as well so and they don't look any better than what than what they were um they probably have more attacking threat when um, under obviously Koeman and even Buddy Unsworth man at least they were uh, attacking at that point but yeah it's just <laughs> the, the way he set his side out and the way he's, he's never going to be there for the long term at the end of the day um, Evan fans are impatient anyway um, to see that yeah. kind of performance put in he, he, I'm, I'm enjoying that's happening because people obviously think Sam Myers is, is a good manager and he's obviously not. Um, and he's, he said, obviously, when he took on as his biggest job, and he, he should be doing, obviously, with that squad. They were obviously not doing very well, but just a lot better than what they are at the moment. So it's good to see that. It just, just, just smacks as, as like as poor from the ownership as well. If you think like they were originally targeting Marco Silva, yeah. obviously that didn't happen. But then to go from Marco Silva and the type of football and his philosophy that he plays. Yeah. To Sam Allardyce, just like, well, where's the plan there? Yeah, I you think know, um, if, you, if you're going to go for silver then and get knocked back, then you have other alternatives, sort of in that same vein of thinking. Yeah, it's clearly just such a such a panic and just ill thought out all all the way through from, from it, the ownership. It, it did really. the panic. You were good, he's going to get you to safety, no problem about that. I mean, he spent obviously fifty million, but he's going to get you to safety. Yeah, I think they were safe anyway, even if they kept Underworth for the end of the season. Um, I know Underworth, I think he's won his final game, but. If you had it kept him in charge, they wouldn't have went down. Um, a lot of worse teams than them. But I think Carragher just said it quite well on... Um, I just watched a little bit of the Monday Night Football just before uh, my new Palace game there. But he said he had a feeling of like what um, Hodgson was to Liverpool just was never the right fit. Yeah. It was never the right feeling. Um, and I think it's, it's good to compare, really, because that's it. He's not a good fit for them. And long-term-wise, he's... He's not going to be a manager who's going to get them to where they want to be. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't think it will last much longer. It's uh, yeah, it's going to be grim again for for Everton for for a little while longer, <coughs> unfortunately, um, for their fans. But um, but uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll move on from Allardyce and and then move on to uh, our main topic today and like um, a, another team playing very negatively, but a team with a lot more talent um, and a lot less reason to do so. Um, Chelsea at City um, this uh, this weekend. It was a, a sort of an incredible indictment of where Chelsea have gone, really. Um, if you think last year, they were 15 points clear um, of City in, in winning the league. Um, and this year, they're already 25, 25 points behind City um, in the Premier League. Now, by no account am I saying that Chelsea should have um, smashed the league this year, I think. City strengthening again, again, and having that first season under Guardiola to you know to, to settle down and, and and adapt to you know what he wants to get from the team, you, you'd expect City to 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 be you know in a strong position. But for Chelsea to to be so far off the pace at the moment, um, for me would be would be worrying. It's just essentially this calendar year, um, they've been they, they they've been incredibly poor. Just four wins in fifteen games. 
um, in 2018, um, and four league defeats in the last in the last five games. So there's a lot. There's a sense here that to me um, that maybe the Chelsea players are starting to believe or find an excuse in um, Conte and his moaning. Um, this year, I mean, he's moaned a lot about not being able to get his top targets in. You know, he wanted the likes of you know Sanchez, Lukaku, Van Dijk. Um, they never really got near to to getting those players in. Um, and uh, he he's permanently throughout the season been been moaning about this and and criticising the board for for not getting their top targets. Now, I'm not by no means saying that that Chelsea are right in not heavily strengthening in the summer. You know, from a position of power, but there comes a point when, you know, he still spent a fair amount of money on the likes of Bakayoko and Murata um, and other players have come in as well, that he had a perfectly big say in. Yet, he's continuing this this message, this anti, uh, you know, this anti-board message and, and, and complaining. And, and there, there has to come a point where you put that aside and focus on getting the best out of the players that you have at your disposal. And they still do have a quality team. They have a, they have a quality squad there um, to, to be doing better than they certainly are at the moment. Uh, and I just think that, that you know, tactics aside, I think I think the Chelsea players are in danger of of just uh, just using that as an excuse, as we've seen a lot of those players do um, just a few seasons before, after you know after Mourinho won it, and and, and they completely down tools, obviously not to the same extent. But there is an element there of of, of similar things happening to get uh, again, and they're going to have to be very careful um, not to completely drop out of the Champions League qualification race because uh, you know at, at the moment I think they're 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 in a bit of a malaise, um, and they can ask that. But if they don't snap out of it in the next few games, that they could well be under under a, under a lot of pressure. Um, I, I don't know if, from your point of view, Cowley, obviously um, a keen interest on on Liverpool and and. Chelsea going downhill is positive for you, but um, I don't know if you think that that Conte has got to take a, a bit of responsibility now for, um, for for the attitude and you know how how his team approaches games. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the game itself yesterday, um, it was really really painful to watch. Uh, really boring game. Um, I mean, looking at the lineup, I can see why obviously he's picked that team. Um, obviously, William Hazard and Pedro up front. As he's obviously looking to play on the counter attack, and obviously you'd think them three, in terms of the pace, would cause City problems. Um, we've seen like City defense. I mean, it's, it's good, but it's been a lot better recently as well with obviously company getting fit. But they are they can make mistakes in there as well. So I see obviously what his game plan was. Because um, he's done it on a, f- a few games, especially over against Barcelona as well. But mm. it just—I mean—it didn't work. What what was happening is obviously Chelsea were pretty much launching um, long balls all the time from the back. Um, did you did you see the game? What was the highlights you seen, Mike? Uh, I just saw the highlights. So I was uh, yeah, I was away, so I, I, I didn't see the game. So I've caught up on the highlights and looked yeah. into it. But you know, for for them not even to register a shot, let alone a shot yeah. target in the first half, I think tells you all you all you need to know, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I just it was just obviously Hazard was getting. You can see how pissed off he was because all we're doing is just playing long balls, and he's never going to win a header or hold up the ball in that situation. So the ball just kept on coming back. Um, but just the fact that. I can see why he started, but it was not nothing was changing throughout the game. Changed something. I mean, you've you've spent eighty million pound on two strikers in the last like eight months. You've got obviously Murata there and Drew. If they're going to play that way, 
stick one of them up front. But then again, I'm sure yeah. Conte is not going out and saying, right, centre-backs, launch the ball up front. So you've got to look at the, the Chelsea players as well. They were very negative when they got the ball. It's like they had opportunities to, to kind of pass it through and they had sometimes numbers going forward. But again, every time the ball is just it's just going back really um, I, I guess obviously low on confidence but I don't know if they just knew what obviously how City play now they've played especially over the course of the season it's just um, never really wanting to commit or play forward really um, play the easy ball a lot of the time so obviously frustrating watching and you see how that's frustrated because he wanted the ball into his feet a lot of the times and the way he did mm. sometimes he could hold it up or turn but there was never really one going forward from that I mean you think like Pedro and William like Obviously, quality players, and Williams being on form, very good form recently. He just again, he was not very good in the ball whenever he got it. Um, so you've got to say, like Conte is not saying to them, right, from defence, I want the ball up top because it's not, it's not going to work, is it? At the end of the day. Um, so tactically, yeah. obviously, how he set up, but themselves, they've got to look at that and take the blame for themselves and their own performance. It also, that I guess you've seen a clip where it's gone viral as well. Just that 15 second clip where it's just it's gone to pretty much walking football. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they're not pressing them at all. Um, it just seemed to be kind of they give up, really. It, it, it seems to be. Um, so I don't really know what, what Conte says, for example, at half time, if there's any change, because nothing seemed to change from obviously that first half going into the second half. Um, I mean, yeah. we've been heavily criticised ourselves in Newcastle when we played Man City um, for our tactics and just obviously sitting behind the ball. Um, but end of the day, we are we're not as <laughs> nowhere near as good as Chelsea. I'm spending the amount of money that Chelsea have, and obviously they're champions. Um, so understandably from our point of view, but at least we had chances in the game, like good chances, and we were in the game. At like I know you can say Chelsea in the game at seventy minutes, but. We needed that and we were in the game at 70 minutes both times and we were especially first game unlucky not to even nick one a goal back from them but to Chelsea it's just I've embarrassing really. Yeah, I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm with you there's a difference if you look at that that Barcelona game where the, a similar plan not the same plan but it, it worked and you know they, they, they caught Barcelona on a counter-attack and, and should have won that game really yeah. comfortably. Um, but if you look at that again, you know, they're always interchanging when at a front three, um, they're always interchanging. It seemed like Hazard, from, from what I've read, was just very central. And, you know, they obviously weren't making those passes. They When they got the chance to counter-attack, they weren't making it count. But um, but if you play a false nine, surely the point of having a false nine is that you have a very fluid front three. You know, otherwise he's just uh, <laughs> a number nine who's not cut out to do the role of a number nine. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it just seems very weird to me. And and Hazard's, I don't know if you've seen Hazard's comments from after the game, um, but it's very damning, really. Like he, um, I'll just go through them, um, some of them quickly while I have a chance. It's, um, after the game, he said, um, "I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got a touch even if we played for three hours, even if we improved in the last ten or fifteen minutes. We are better, we're better with the ball, but we need to do that during the whole match." For me personally, it's hard to play well if you only get the ball three times. But when we got the ball, we had to use it better and we made the wrong choices. I was trying to jump, but it's not easy to win duels against Otamendi and Laporta. We didn't play to our strengths today. If Morata or Giroud had played, it would have been easier to play with long balls. I did my best. Now, that's that's pretty bold, really, yeah. um, for a player after a game and a pretty clear indictment of 
of the manager's tactics and it seems to me it's just very weird like how he signed like Morata okay like maybe he's low on confidence and struggling a bit at the moment and he doesn't necessarily you know want to start with him you know all right he's had quite you know he's, he's had quite a lot of time this season to to assess that but Giroud just buying him in January at the end of January um doesn't seem to have had many chances at all for me um he's he very rarely used him so far and you know if you're going to play that style of football and he's one of the best in terms of linking up the midfield and holding onto the ball and, and bringing runners like Willian or Hazard playing deeper and Pedro into the game. So for me, it's very strange why he doesn't seem to be playing Giroud and, and using him as much. I might be missing something here, but it it seems to, that, that, that that's, a, um, that's a very puzzling choice for him, for him to make. And I think... Obviously, sitting back and they obviously did restrict City for, for shots and chances a lot more than other teams have. But you've still got to carry a, a, a threat on the counter. It doesn't matter how well you defend. If you have no threat going forward at all, you put yourself under so much pressure um, at the back that you, you're just not gonna not gonna hold on for that for that point. I think it's uh, yeah, it, it's an odd one at Chelsea. I think Conte has to um, as much you know as much as I, I love him and have a lot a lot of time for the job he did last season. I think he's got to. Got to stand up and take some of the responsibility here for for his approach, both in what he says off the pitch and and you know obviously in in that game as well. He he, he got it wrong tactically, really. Yeah, just on the Giroud thing, it's like what's he, why is he being bought? What games is he wanting? To like, where is he thinking? All right, Giroud would be good in that game. Just obviously the way they played yesterday, I thought Giroud would have been kind of perfect for that because obviously he, yeah. he's good in the air he's good at, as you say he's good at linking up and he's he linked up uh, quite well so far when he's when he's had his chance at Chelsea um, and he's quite he's linked quite well with Hazard so I mean Hazard to come out and say them things are just having a massive dig at like Conte really um, and yeah. he, you think other players really playing for Conte anymore um, but just it's just a, a strange one if a strange one Watch that game, and obviously being a Chelsea, like if being a Chelsea fan, um, it, it was then uh, just looking at the performance it, from that to, to to what was what less than two weeks ago at Barcelona, they, they had a go then and they were unlucky not to to win, and that was pretty much yeah. the, the starting lineup. I know they're playing at home, but that's a pretty much the starting lineup. What they started again, apart from I think because Conte was uh, ill, so Drinkwater came in instead of him, but. Like I say, to go from that to to yesterday, it's just yeah, it's just like they like say, terrible to watch. Um, yeah, it's just like I say, it's a shocking performance, really. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I mean. Uh, they they're obviously still a, a very good team, and, and and Conte is still a top manager. It, it's just uh, it seems to be certainly over the last couple of months uh, a real malaise uh, uh, around that club, and 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 they've got to really be careful that they sort of snap out of it, and and, and otherwise uh, it's very tough competitive to get into that Champions League top four. Um, with the form Liverpool are in at the moment, and you know the likes of Spurs as well, it's gonna be it's gonna be a real fight to to hold on to that qualification. Yeah, place. I don't see they're not they're not making the top four now. I think the top four that they is now within the top four. Um, I can't see them getting in there. Um, I think it'll be of the game against Barcelona is, is huge, and you'll, it'll be quite interesting to see how he starts. Really, if he does start at number nine, and how he if yeah. he's gonna have a go at them, well, that, but. 
That is big for him as well. He's never really had much success in the Champions League, even at Juventus Conte, has he? So um, that's going to be a big game for him personally to to get over. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it could be a different Chelsea turn up for that game, but they're they're certainly going to have to to um, you know change that game plan and, and show more of a threat because yeah, the way the way they played against Man City, it was uh, always just going to lead one way really. Um, I think moving on to our, uh, the the final section, and 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 we're going to talk about something that's very unlikely to happen to Chelsea, no matter you know their woes over the last few weeks. Um, but going to talk a bit about Portsmouth. Um, uh, look in our retro section. Um, uh, back this time of the year, in 2010, um, Portsmouth went into administration, uh, became the first Premier League club to go into administration um, under two years after there'd been that FA Cup final, of course. Um, and I, I just wanted to go through it because it's been a, 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 just such a such a nightmare period um, for that club. If, if you if you think back to where they were, obviously, um, Harry Redknapp was spending all sorts of money to get them established in the Premier League, which, you know, he, he did, but, you know, it came at the price of the likes of Johnny Tarker um, and Ben Johnny coming in for, for, for crazy money. Um, and, and Portsmouth obviously got to a point where, um, you know, they, they went beyond their means. And, w- and when Redknapp left and Tony Adams came in, a series of bad <laughs> uh, managerial appointments, I think Alain Perran and, yeah, God knows how many probably come out of the woodwork. Av- Avram Grant Avram knocking Grant, about yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when, when you know when, when spending all that money's working on a pitch, fine. But you know, when it when it doesn't, and then you're stuck with all those those players on massive wages, and you know, a, a, a different commitment to you know what what they expect from the club, um, then things go south very very quickly. And and after that, for a few years, it was absolute hell um, for Portsmouth. If you look at the number of owners um, that they seem to pass pass hands, it seemed like every six months they're essentially being sold to a new consortium um which is, which is never going to be good for a club and um you know several relegations later they they found themselves in in league 2 um just a few years after after winning the FA Cup and and being an established premier league team so i, I just wanted to, to go through cuz I, I think it's a a good opportunity to look at Obviously, I think that you know that you know other clubs could still be in this in this situation going forward as well. The, the gambles that people take, but it's turned into a a good news story now. If you look, at, I think it was when the the Pompey Supporters Trust finally took control of of the club and and brought it back into into control of the fans. Um, really, it took them a hell of a long time um, to to do it, and they had to go through the 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 UK courts and have MPs putting pressure on on um on Baram Chanrai to, to sell to them but but they eventually um took control of the club in in April 2013 um and within a year um they had two two thousand three hundred shareholders and had raised two and a half million um from individual pledges which is incredible really um and, and managed to get the club debt free by September 2014 um. And it, and it, and it's, I think it's just a very positive story coming out of of that that horrific period for Portsmouth and all their fans. How you know how bad it gets. I think they got to pretty much the lowest low that 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 many teams can get really. Um, but their fans had that belief, and it's certainly not been easy. But their fans had that belief um, and desire to not only raise the money, but then to make it work after that as a fully functioning football club, um, which is not easy to do by by any of the stretch of the imagination. Um, and I should think them them actually 
winning promotion last year to to League One for a lot of those fans, if not all, would, would have meant a hell of a lot more than than anything they they achieved in in the Premier League. Um, but it is just yeah, I, I thought it was a good chance out of a a terrible terrible story at the time. You know, some some hope for other clubs maybe going through similar things at the moment. That you know, fan owned clubs can work and and you know that they've done an incredible job through their their commitment and, and passion and. For the for the club to to get that club back on its feet and, and clear all its debts um to to its local old creditors um it's a, a fantastic effort and uh yeah uh, ho- hopefully that 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 fate doesn't befall any any other clubs anytime soon but you get the feeling it might be with the uh, with the owners coming in um certainly in the Premier League and and seeing Premier League clubs um as a means of making money which it will never be so um yeah I, I thought uh, uh worthy of worthy of a bit of our time at, at the end if if only to mention Johnny Tarker again yeah no it, it is obviously a good story I mean you're quite shocked when you obviously hear it in the, the Premier League team having to go into administration you always hear it from kind of a lower league teams but again I mean it's bad running of the club really that the amount of money they would have spent on the transfers and wages yeah. of the players who they brought in under Redknapp especially um, I mean the probably obviously didn't really massively overspending but again didn't make that money in terms of you, you look at like the likes of Fratton Park it does I don't know how a whole like less than 20 is it 20,000 it's around 20 yeah. around 20 yeah. is it and I, you look at the players would have been on massive wages um, and I guess in terms of the buying and the installments that they would have played on players as well um, it just finally obviously you couldn't have the owners couldn't afford to run the clubs and afford to fund the club anymore um, so obviously that cost grew and obviously it's been a recession hit as well so at the time it's just uh, look at that it's just bad ownership and then they went through like you said three or four kind of ownership until they finally went um, in the administration so um, it's good to see they're on the up now um, I mean I'll not I don't miss Portsmouth away I think I remember leaving Newcastle like <laughs> half three in the morning for a half five kickoff in the Saturday evening um, which yeah. is nil nil. Not a nice gig that. No, nil nil as well. It was a it was a long bloody weekend, just mostly like travelling to Portsmouth. But um, yeah, it's good to see them obviously getting to the leagues. I, I'm not wouldn't like I say they're not a miss to the Premier League for me. But um, just quite a, a, a seen a quote, read a quote earlier from Redknapp um, in 2010. They say like. For the fans to look on the bright side, as the um, team will make a quick return in the Premier League next season. Uh, yeah, yeah, not I saw really that. Yeah. Before, has it, Harry? Um, so, so yeah. sums it up really, isn't it? Like his approach to spending and stuff. Like obviously he was given the money to spend, but like yeah, that that that, that I think that quote just sums it up nicely. Just like, oh, it'll be all right. You'll sort yourself out. Not realizing like the, the the impact that not only had on the club but all the local businesses that just like yeah. didn't get paid and, and could have yeah, yeah. probably went under because That's of that it. like it's um yeah it's a, it's another world really isn't it? he lives in but yeah I mean looking back even that if it could that had a really good team at the time um like Defoe Montari Campbell John, Glenn Johnson Glenn Johnson yeah yeah didn't have a bad side up front. Carney up front yeah of course. <laughs> At least when I forget about him, but yeah, Diora, who's who played Diora, by the way, who's had a like for being a very average footballer, has played for like Real Madrid, PSG, Chelsea. It's ridiculous. He's ticked them all off, hasn't he? It's yeah, crazy. yeah. 
always name, pops up every couple you, of years that he with a big move. Near music crops up on like quizzes as well because like who this player's played with these players and you're like who the hell's played with all these players? <laughs> it's usually Diara, yeah. The Carl Court. <laughs> or Carl Court, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, yeah, no, no, completely agrees that he's a he's a rogue one. But there were plenty of those that popped in at Portsmouth over those Premier League years as well. But um, yeah, good good to see them on a, on on the way up again, and and yeah, proof that 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 fans can take control. It's not easy, but fan fans can can make a real difference to their club, which is always encouraging um, on the bright side. Um, but I think Cowley, I think that wraps us up for today. Um, thanks for joining through the uh, you know through through the uh, through the from the frozen north of England and um we will um yeah we will um um catch up again um either just with yourself or, or, or an extended team um in the coming weeks but um please do give us a follow um on twitter we you can find us at fbh weekly pod um on twitter and if you like what you hear um do give us a review um on itunes um you can find us uh, in all the usual places so Kelly, um thanks for your time yeah and um, see you, yeah, uh, we'll catch up again next week see you next week after rivalry weekend as guy put it Oh, Christ, yeah. I'm sure we'll have something to say about that. We will. (laughs) Great. All right. Cheers, mate. See you.